take what you find incredible in other people's work as the permission to take what's incredible in you and then go turn the volume up on it, right? Like take the confidence and courage you see in other people and use that to fuel your own efforts to give you the confidence and courage to put yourself out there in your own way. This is a Soul Fire production. You are listening to episode 162 of Yes And, and this episode is brought to you by our friends at Advocare. Guys, every day is a good day to invest in your health and your supplement game is a big part of that. I love Advocare supplements, specifically the supplements I take to fuel my body for my workouts, the biofuel the pre-workout, the rehydrate, some of my staples. So guys, check them out, but don't pay full price. You can use my code FEELBETTER15, that's FEELBETTER15, to get discounts and support this podcast when you do. And oh, by the way, did you know that if you leave a five-star review of this podcast on iTunes, screenshot it, so leave a review, screenshot it and email it to me at hello at judyholler.com. I'm going to send you some of my favorite Advocare products to your front door. So take me up on this. Uh, They are a podcast sponsor. So we want to support them, but also what a great way to try before you buy and support this show. All right, y'all. So this is the third episode of the month, which means we are focusing on one of my favorite subjects, creativity. And if there's one thing that cock blocks our creativity, yes, I said it. Yes, I said it. It is worshiping false gods. And what I mean by that is that if you want to hit a brick wall in your life and in your business, then lay down at the altar of algorithms. Lay down at the altar of fake news. Lay down at the altar of bullshit measures of success. You know, and most of these bullshit measures of success are really designed to invoke fear, right? The fear of not being popular enough, rich enough, skinny enough, smart enough, connected enough, enough enough, right? And because we want to feel like enough... And we want everyone around us to see us as enough. We worship at the altar of these false gods that we've sort of put up on a pedestal. And then we wonder why we're depressed and anxious and at times even beginning to loathe our own actual existence. Can you tell I am speaking from experience here? I am passionate about this one. I've been so excited to write and record this specific episode for you because I think it is so important. We've got to talk about it. We've got to talk about these false gods. So whether you're an entrepreneur or not, I'm going to share with you seven false gods that most of us are worshiping. And if you are, this is the sign you've been waiting for. This is a big old fat juicy warning and sign from the universe because it's dangerous and it's going to do nothing but keep you stuck, safe, and just the same. And it will guarantee that your creativity, most importantly, hits a brick wall. Plus, there's a better way because you get to decide what success looks like for you. No one else gets to decide for you. You know, no suit in a boardroom over at Meta gets to tell you when you are enough, you are enough because you were born. And if you were born, God has a plan for you. So we've got to start off with false God number one. And false God number one is 
the blue check. The blue check. That's right. The blue motherfucking check. Now, if you are not sure what the blue check is, okay, the blue check is a, a blue check mark that you get on social media, specifically on Instagram and Facebook, to indicate that you are verified. Yeah, you heard that right. Some suit at Meta said, Oh, I have an idea. Let's create a check mark to verify those who are verified so that everyone else who isn't verified knows that they are not the verified one and that person is the verified one. Now, listen, I get it. I am a public figure myself. I um, I get it. Like, people love making fake accounts and it's scary and it's annoying. And, you know, I really do understand the essence and the intention behind the blue check. And to be frank, it would be really great, of course, to get that blue check. So I don't have to worry about people thinking my content is coming out of a fake account. And yes, I've had them. I have them. It's annoying. Like, what can you do? But at the end of the day, um, you could still have a blue check and be hacked and have things made up about you. So while I guess I understand that it helps us understand who the real Snoop Dogg is and who the real J-Lo is, et cetera, et cetera, for the rest of us, those of us not building big billion-dollar platforms and empires, right, those of us just trying to make our mark and catch a little bit of traction, it can become an an absolute mental mind fuck. You know, you start to think about and become obsessed over this blue check. Like your life depends on it. Like you can't be the cool kid at the cool lunch table until you have the blue check mark, right? Like that, that you are an actual piece of trash at the bottom of the trash can unless you have a blue check mark, right? And I'm here to tell you something. And this is the cold hard truth, okay? It's the cold hard truth. You do not need a blue check mark, okay, to verify you. You do not need a stranger in a suit sitting in a boardroom at Meta to verify you. You are verified because you were born. You are verified because you are a child of whatever God you believe in. You are verified because you exist. So beware of the false God that is the blue check. Because without the internal knowing that you are enough simply because you were born, no blue check will ever verify you. If you can't first, verify yourself. All right, false God number two, your follower count. Okay, so let's stick with social media, social meds for a minute, shall we? We have become obsessed, obsessed with our follower count. And my hand is raised here because I am guilty of this myself, okay? Um, I have and do make it a false God in my life, which is why I'm talking about it. Okay. Um, and let's be honest, worshiping this God, how many followers you have, obsessing with how many followers you get and got and lose and lost and all the stuff, like it has made me feel like shit. It it makes me feel like an outsider. It makes me feel like I'm not popular enough or good enough or 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 creative enough. Um, it, I mean, if I could just figure out the algorithm, right? If I could just hire the right social media team, if I could just afford more ads, I'd hit it big, right? And then everyone would know how great and cool and smart and fabulous I am. If I, if I have this many, if I just have this many followers, my business would blow up and I wouldn't have to worry anymore. Guys, I, I remember, can I tell you my 10K story? I remember hitting 10K on Instagram like it was yesterday. I would, I was obsessed with hitting 
10K. And, you know, when you hit 10K on the gram, you get a lot of special things. You can swipe up and tag and do all this stuff. And it looks cool. And it's street cred. And it's a milestone, right? Um, but when I hit 10K, it's actually a funny story. I was driving to Indianapolis, Indy, to see my best friend for her birthday. I go every October for my bestie Jody's birthday. Shout out Jody. Um, and I pulled off to use the restroom at the Cracker Barrel. Okay. At the Cracker Barrel. Um, so I was sitting down to go number one, number one. And I pulled out my phone as we do. And I hit motherfucking 10K. Uh, Cause I go to my Instagram, of course, and I refresh it. And I knew I was close and we were, we were, we were getting close to that number. And I hit 10K. Yes, I hit 10K in a Cracker Barrel bathroom. It is so glam. I know, but it's the truth. Okay. And I remember losing my shit because oh my God, now I can swipe up. Remember when we could swipe up? Um, I could link things and tag things and do things as a business owner that I wasn't able to do before. And let's be honest, that 10K, as I said, looks super dope, right? On the profile feed. And while I'm not discounting that that is a major milestone and um, of course, super proud of it. And, and you should be proud of that number, especially when you are growing your following organically from scratch and doing it the real and right and authentic way instead of buying followers and doing all the shady shit people do. Um, it is a false God because here's what happens. The second you hit 10K, it's not enough. You start thinking about 20K and obsessing over 20K. And then 20K, you get to, to, to 20K and, and that's not enough, right? All you want is 30K and then you hit 30K and now you're looking at people who got 50K and 60K and you're wondering why you're a piece of trash with your meek little 30K and on and on and on it will go. Like, when does it stop? I, I don't know. P probably never, okay? But here's the thing. I went to an event over, over the summer, just this past year, in, in the AZ in Arizona. And one of the big glaring awakenings I got at that conference was that 90% of the thought leaders and speakers on that stage had less than 10,000 followers. And most of them had anywhere between 1,000 and 6,000 followers. And some of these women were multi-millionaires winning big awards, coaching legendary people in industries in different vertical markets, right? So the moral of the story is show up, build community, do you have fun, but keep your eyes on your own paper, keep your head down and spend your time investing in the revenue generating activities that are going to grow your business and bring value and joy into your life because that's the only measurement of success that really matters in the long run. I mean, will your followers miss you when you're gone? I don't know. Maybe. I hope you miss me if I were to get hit by a bus, but I think the more important question to ask is this, who will be there with me when I'm going? Those are the relationships worth worshiping. All right, guys. So quick pause. As we're sitting here talking about false gods, you know, there's going to be some mental stamina required in rewiring some of these broken signals in our brain that are sort of tricking us into believing that we should be worshiping these false gods in the first place. So in order to untangle some of the tangled up wires in our brains, personal development is a big part of that process. And that is why I wrote my books. So if you haven't read my first book, Fear is My Homeboy, maybe now is the time and this is the sign. It's also on Audible. 
So link in the show notes and you can jump on over to Amazon to find it there. But that book was really written to help you reframe fear and most importantly, give you the courage to show up as yourself despite what other people think about it which is something we are talking about here today. I also have a workbook. It's called The Fear Boss Project, and it is a great follow-up to my book, Fear is My Homeboy, and something that can be used on its own uh, or in a book club or with a small group or to facilitate conversations in your team meetings. I mean, the pages are full of thought-provoking and colorful and fun exercises and journaling prompts that are really designed to help you untangle, right? Like, the tangling that can happen in our brain. And Fear Boss Project, that workbook is something you can really pick up multiple times a year. And even exercises that you can teach and share inside your communities. And then, of course, last but not least, we have the Possibility Planner, which is a 90-day goal-focused planning system I designed to help us make our big dreams and goals happen with the science-backed approach of working in small windows to achieve those results. So of course, it's inspired by what I've learned in the improv theater. And you know what really makes the possibility planner and that system unique is that we blend high-performance habits with mental health prompts to keep you moving forward despite disruption. Um, so it's, a, it's available in print. If you want a handheld planner, you could grab it on my website, on Amazon. I'll link up in the show notes. But last year, we also also launched a digital version that I am making available completely free <laughs> for you. So if you're looking for a place to start, just jump on over to judyholler.com forward slash free gift. I'll put that in the show notes as well, judyholler.com forward slash free gift, and you will get an instant download of that entire planner. Now let's get back to the show. All right. False God number three, team size. Team size, the size of your team. I hear and see so many entrepreneurs uh, specifically talking about how big their teams are, how big their office spaces are, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of times when we're looking from the outside in, um, we think that, oh my God, if I don't have a big team or a fancy office, I haven't made it, right? Um, that I'm not doing enough, that I'm not successful enough, that I'm not smart enough. And honestly, it's all BS because I run a seven-figure business and I do it on an extremely lean and mean team. And these days, I I am only working with project managers who can deploy against a specific task. I am hiring independent contractors who specialize in what my business needs at that time, or I'm finding freelancers to execute against an acute need that I have. And the reality is more team, more problems, okay? Um, and I have no desire to W-2 or 401k full-time team members. It is not the kind of company I want to run. I want to be small yet mighty. I want to be lean and mean and flexible. And most importantly, I don't want a lot of overhead, right? I don't want to business partner. I want to remain in complete visionary control of my business. Now, coaches and mentors and a business board of directors, hell yes, right? Those things are critical and worth investing in year over year. But a large team, it is not what I want, right? Um, so you have to decide what works for you and your business and the type of enterprise you're building. Of course, we need people to help us grow, right? We, of course, need people to help us grow. Um, and as you grow, as I grow, my needs may change. But, but for now, having a big team and a brick and mortar building and salaries to manage is not for the faint of heart. And it comes with hiring and firing and HR and tax laws and lots of 
energy deployed against those efforts. And, you know, honestly, I want to keep my energy moving in the direction of my vision and stay in that space. And then once I decide, once once I figure out what I want, then I can say, okay, cool, how and who can help me, right? The freelance economy is incredible. And there are so many independent contractors that can help you grow your business, giving you the ultimate freedom of flexibility. All right, false god number four, bestseller list, bestseller list. Okay, as an author, I know this one well, thinking that if I don't hit like the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times, it's all been a waste of time and I'm, again, a piece of trash. And while those accolades are incredible and impressive, a lot of us don't really understand that it's all kind of rigged, okay? For authors with deep pockets and big egos, there are companies they can hire to maneuver their way onto a list or at least try. Yes, people buy their way onto those lists and into big magazines and onto those billboards you see in Times Square and into those airports. Um, And sometimes people don't get on lists or get on lists simply because of the way they vote, right? Um, So, Let's talk about this. Now, you can Google all the things. I am no expert here. I know a little bit about it, but here's what it generally takes to be named a bestseller. The general consensus is that if you want to make your way onto a bestseller list, specifically Wall Street Journal, New York Times, et cetera, et cetera, um, and really any bestseller list, you have to move at least 5,000 books or maybe even 10,000 books in your category in a week, in a week. Beyond that, things get complicated depending on which list you're trying to get on. And that's because different lists don't use all the same data, right? So no one has access to all the sales made by every single book published in the US in any given week. It takes months for publishers to assemble that data. It's impossible to get it all in time to publish a weekly bestseller list. And at the end of the day, the publishers will have 100% of an understanding of what's being sold, but they won't have it by the end of the week. So all the different bestseller lists have established their own methodologies to gather sales data. And once they've got it, they break it down differently. It's basically a shit show, okay? So many of us, especially those of us who are newer to the game, the book writing game, the authorship game, uh, and we don't understand the politics behind the business of book marketing and book sales and lists and all that, we assume naively that we will make the list. And maybe one day we will. And that's incredible to be able to do. But it's also rigged. And it's a little pay to play. I mean, I, my book, Fear is My Homeboy, uh, was in airports all across the country. But what a lot of people don't know, and you'll learn really quick if you get into the book game, is um, that you write a big check to be able to do that, right? You have to pay to be in the airports, right? You can have your you can have your book on the on the on a billboard in Times Square, but you got to pay to play, right? Um, Same with agencies and PR and magazines. And yes, um, even lists. If you have money to spend, you can get anything you want. So again, I'm no expert here. And a quick Google search can take you down a rabbit hole of ideas and perspectives on this exact topic. So you can go make your own decisions for yourself. But the big message here is this. Bestseller lists are not required to be a successful author. All right, false god number five, the million dollar mark. 
the milli mark is what I call it, the milli mark. Okay, so whether it's a million followers, a million podcast downloads, or hitting that beloved and even badass seven figure revenue goal, we love the million dollar mark. And listen, I do too. Okay, I have had a bottle of Dom Perignon in my fridge for three years that had a hot pink piece of duct tape taped to the front of it with one million written in. Sharpie on the front of it because I was going to pop that when I hit the million dollar mark. Okay. Um, I have laid my soul down at the altar of the million dollar mark. And of of course, it felt good, right? To say, oh my God, we did a million dollars in revenue this year. That is a massive milestone. And of course, I want to get to a million downloads on this podcast. I mean, that's an incredible feat, right? Um, And we're close which is so exciting. And I thank you for that. And of course, we should want to scale our businesses, right? Into seven figures and beyond. And I'm sure a million followers would be cool. Um, but I'm actually kind of more scared of a million followers than I am uh, a million dollars these days because trolls suck and people suck and cancel culture sucks and fake news sucks. And all that aside, um, it's a dangerous God to worship, this million dollar mark, because we sort of start to attach our self-worth to a number. You see these posts all the time, all over Instagram, where people, mostly women, um, get the big balloons out and dance around with these numbers because they got 100K, 5K, 10K, 50K, 500K, a million downloads, revenue goals, followers, whatever. And I don't know. You got to do you, but listen, fam, guys don't do this. Men don't do this. They do not dance around with balloons when they hit their numbers, right? Um, So, I mean, listen, you got to do you, (laughs) Uh, but I know a lot of people, and this is the truth, who have danced around with Mylar balloons uh, holding a certain number, but it ain't the real number. Okay. Or maybe they hit that number, but they can't pay their mortgage. So beware the false God of the million dollar mark, whether it is a a number you are, are resting too much weight on, or it's a number you're seeing someone else reach. So when they reach it, you feel like shit about yourself because you never know what the truth is for someone else. I know an entrepreneur, I heard this story uh, from a friend of mine who is also in the, the same space that I'm in. Uh, this specific person spent $900,000 in marketing efforts to be able to hit a million dollar launch revenue goal. So you do the math. She actually only profited $100,000 all for what? To be able to dance around with Mylar balloons, to be able to put that number on your media kit or your website or flex that muscle in conversations, right? Like, you know, here's the deal. You know, I'm, I'm not saying any of these, these, these things are bad. I mean, you've got to do you. And I'm not saying, um, that you are bad if you do have a goal of reaching a million anything. I mean, nothing would make me happier than a million podcast downloads. And I can't wait to share that number when I do. Um, But what I care more about is peace and making a profit. I care more about sharing the process of how I did that with other people, right? Like sharing my success. Like, hey, we hit a million downloads and instead of dancing around with the balloon, let me break down to you what that took and what you may not see behind the scenes, right? Um, you know, the, the million dollar mark is awesome, but it's also a, a false God because we end up tying our self-worth to it and we can lose a lot of self-respect along the way if we're not careful. All right. False God number six, number six, other people. 
This could be influencers, thought leaders, speakers, authors, shit, even me, right? We, we have to be careful of making other people our heroes, right? Um, at the end of the day, unless you really know someone, we're all strangers. And do you really know who someone is unless you've spent a significant amount of time with them? I mean, I have so many people I look up to and read and listen to and study and model to be like myself. And of course, that's healthy. It's great. It's important. I hope you love me and my work. And I hope that the work I put out in the world, like this podcast, makes you want to aspire to something bigger for yourself. But that's the key word there, yourself. You should be your own hero. And worshiping at the altar of someone else is really dangerous because you start to attach your identity to someone else's, which could creep you dangerously close to losing your own voice. And I think this is especially important to call out when we're new to business, when we're building something new, because this is when we're probably looking around the most. So we're vulnerable to losing our own voice and copycatting instead of making original things. I mean, when I was starting out as a keynote speaker, I had no clue what I was fucking doing. And to be frank, I don't know what I'm doing half the time anyway, right? I just keep moving, right? And I think if we all realize that, so many of us would get so much more done and we take so much pressure off of ourselves because you need to understand none of us really know what we're doing, right? There is just focus and consistency and discipline and the ability to iterate and keep moving. That's the real secret, right? But when you're new, you look around. And when I was a new baby keynote speaker, I was looking around at other speakers, right? Their website and their work. And I was sort of modeling the way for myself by looking at what other people are doing. And that is so smart and it's so helpful. Um, But if you're not careful, you can end up looking like a copycat, which is never a good look, and it could get you in trouble. So look around, yes. Have heroes, yes. Be inspired, yes. But mostly be an original. Take what you find incredible in other people's work as the permission to take what's incredible in you and then go turn the volume up on it, right? Like take the confidence and courage you see in other people and use that to fuel your own efforts, to give you the confidence and courage to put yourself out there in your own way, you know? Um, And final thought here, you know, I, I really believe, I truly believe we cannot be what we do not see in this world. So it is okay to feel inspired by someone else, but The most important job you have every day is to be with yourself every day. So worshiping at the altar of other people is dangerous because it disconnects us from the power you already have. All right, false God number seven. Last but not least, baby, we're going to talk about labels. Labels, baby, labels. And I am talking about Gucci and Prada and Louis and Chanel. Now, listen, I love me a Louis. I love it. I love me a Louis. And I think I've had a Chanel bag on my vision board for a decade. Um, So I'm here for it. And I love fashion and I always will. And I love luxury and I love boutiques and I love vintage and I love the sexy swagger of a beautiful bag, right? Um, But it's a false God. Because we attach again our self-worth and our value to acquiring things, right? Um, Like, you know, saying to yourself, oh my God, everybody has this Gucci bag right now. If I don't have this Gucci bag right now, I am not worthy. I am not enough. It's like, I need everyone to know how rich I am. So I'm going to go rock this Chanel bag and put it on my shoulder so everybody knows, right? Uh, Listen, babe, you you can rent a Chanel bag. Mm -hmm. You can rent 
a Chanel suit. And I know women who have the Chanel arm on their back and it's fake as fuck. I have friends who have the Louis Speedy, but it's made in China. And I know women who have the latest Gucci belt bag, but they can't pay their car payment, right? So you never know what's going on behind the scenes, right? So personally, um, from a fashion perspective, when I see someone, unless you're like a rapper, you know, or a music, I mean, this is what they do, but like, unless you're a rapper, right? Like when I see someone dripping head to toe in Louboutin or Gucci or any of that, I am like bored to death. It takes way more originality and fashion and style and swagger to put an outfit together in your own way with pieces from Nordstrom Rack and Zara and free people and doing it in your own way with maybe one luxury piece mixed in, but not all the luxury pieces. That is style. Anyone can walk into to a Saks Fifth Avenue and buy a head-to-toe Gucci outfit, but it takes swagger to actually style yourself, right? So I don't know. I just say, beware the false god of labels, right? You are the original Bailey. You're the original. You are. You are. It is awesome to aspire to having things, right? I've got the Mercedes G-Wagon on my, on my vision board as well, right? Okay, we, it's okay. We can aspire to things, right? And we can want beautiful things. But at the end of the day, they're things. They're things, right? And I think sometimes when we put things on a pedestal instead of the most important self stuff, like our, our peace and our joy and how we're serving in the world and, and sort of, can we sleep at night? Right? Like someone asked me just the other day, like, how, how do you define wealth? I said, number one health. Like if I have my health, I am wealthy. And I think you say that the older you get, the more you literally, that becomes your anthem. So like my health is my wealth. And then I, the, the secondary to that is peace, peace of mind. Like, can I sleep at night? Like I, I don't, I've been there. I've been broke, right? So broke and so afraid. Like, can I pay my bills with ease? Can I pay my team with ease? Um, am I able to, to live a fabulous life and do the things I want and help the people that need it? Right. Um, am I living with peace? And I think that is, you know, a God worth worshiping, right? The God that lives inside of you, the the God that is health and wellness and peace of mind at the end of the day. So those are my seven false gods that I think we need to be weary of. What do you think? Uh, what's a false God I missed? What did I not think of? Um, what's one you're working on? Which one really resonated? Uh, talk to me. I love hearing from you. Hit me up on the gram. Email me anytime at hello at judyholler.com. And I cannot wait to be back here with you next week we've got a really dope episode with Brittany. Uh, she uh, just founded a company called Squeeze Massage in partnership with um, Allie Webb, who created Dry Bar. And we're going to go behind the scenes on how she yes-anded that business. So baby, it is going to be so good. We just recorded. You're going to love it. There are so many marketing and branding, but also like mental health. Like I asked her about her routine and uh, her mindset and all this good stuff. So I really think you're going to love next week's episode, but uh, definitely talk to me about this episode. Let me know what you thought. And as always, I love you. I thank you for being here. And baby, remember you are the original. You're the OG and you do not need anyone else to verify you. You are verified because you exist, because you are a child of whatever God you believe in. You are verified. Have a great week. Go get them.